how long have people been fending off javelina and worried about <laughs> raccoons and like stoked on the harvest and worried about winter and like I'm just like tapping into this storyline this narrative is so rewarding and like real like it's more real than anything I've ever done Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of The People. My name is Ari Lavi, and I would like to thank you for spending your time listening to how we are spending ours. Today, we're heading south out of Flagstaff down the I-17 just before Camp Verde to meet with Kazo, the steward of a land of magical mesquite trees tucked away into the dry Beaver Creek where the water travels under the land and is gently but silently brought to the surface using solar power and a well. And with water comes life. And with life comes responsibility. And this is a home for water and animals and plants, tomatoes and chickens and squash and corn, beans and javelinas, raccoons and ants, sheeps, guinea hens, and people. So today we are taking a trip to meet with Kazo, the creator, the gardener, the builder, the painter, the innovator, and the new friend. So thank you for choosing the people. You're now listening to Radio Sunnyside 1015 KSZN. Stream online at radiosunnyside.org. Chickens were going crazy. We have sheep out there. Things were growing out of our control, as if we even had control in the first place. But things were just like <laughs> going off. And like you know, we don't. We there's no weeding here. Like we do not weed. Like oh. we let things go. And like when things are in balance they're gonna grow well like the squash plant over here just took over it was like yeah massive before the javelina got to it and then right on cue harvest season the squashes are swelling and the corn is swelling and the animals come in and they're like thank you so much we love this <laughs> and they came in and like took out huge amounts and so it felt like life 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 and then we had to like actually come to terms with like the other part of life which is like giving back and dying and returning. And that was kind of like a hard lesson to learn. It's like when things are just going, 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 and things are growing, 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 and you're like, there's melons everywhere, and there's more <laughs> green chili than we know what to do with, and there's tomatoes, like we're having to like dry our tomatoes. And then all of a sudden it's like, we lost a kitten to a hawk. Mm. We lost seven chickens in like three days. Mm. We lost half the cornfield. We lost the entire squash like zone. And like, oh yeah, there's also this other whole side to life, which is like the loss and like the giving back and the returning. And so harvest to me, this in our first year is like knowing that there is a balance and you can't keep it out of balance. Like you have to, you have to give back. You have to let things die. You have to let things rest. You have to be good with like the hawk swooping up your kitten. You know, you have to be good with chickens getting slain because you got so much in return you're getting you know there's so much flower coming to us and there's so much 
food come into us. There's so much watermelon and corn and squash and green chilies and jalapenos and cantaloupe. You know, it's like, and it goes on and, and on else? and on and on. Tomatoes. T tomatoes. There's several different types of tomatoes. The San Marzanos and the Cherokee black tomatoes. The cherry tomatoes. And then there's cucumbers galore. There's three different types of zucchini squash. There's so many sunflower seeds that we've already harvested. Um, all the potatoes have been harvested already. We had like 90 potato plants, so it's like... 900 well 10 10 potatoes roughly per potato you put in so 90 potato plants was like 90 or a thousand potatoes. actual potatoes and we were like giving potatoes away and eating them <laughs> the gophers ate a lot of potatoes too yeah. <laughs> you know like we couldn't keep the gophers out of everything yeah so this harvest is like you we like i think i was mentioning the other day it's like they write songs about how intense this time of year is mm -hmm. like when all the life we've been building, 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 and then all of a sudden it's cresting, and there's like this total transition between death and death, meaning like animals are like eating the plant to store it for winter, and like the raccoons are doing God knows what with the corn, and we're collecting everything, and all the plants are putting their last push of energy, and it's like just a huge eye opener of like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like the cycle, like it's like things grow and grow and grow and grow and grow have to have the other side of that where it starts to fall apart and it's like if we can keep up on this cresting wave and gather what we can and learn how to work with it and also see just kind of watch like what happens mm. a big part of my life for a long time is acknowledging and listening to the larger older world like the non-human world yeah. so that's like the mesquites and like the seven feet of sandy loam we have under our feet and like the water and the stones like which stone goes where which tree wants to be pruned and which tree loves being wild like listening to the larger mm -hmm. older world mm -hmm. um, and yeah biodynamic farming is all about leaving 30% of the land that you're putting intention into for the larger older world and we are, this is like one of the biggest stands of mesquites I've seen in a long time like this whole little delta here is alluvium Bosque soil, so it's like thousands and thousands of years of sedimentary silt. Now this is not because you're right by the. This river. is not limestone. This is not volcanic. This is silt from the creek bed, every winter flooding for the last five thousand, ten thousand years, mm. dropping its sediments here. So this is pine needles and sand and sandstone and Mixed you know together. pine cones from the Mogollon Rim that just washed down here and then dropped. It's literally seven feet. We know that because I've, you know, we dug the well, so we know seven feet of sandy bosque. And these mesquites love it. They put their roots right down into it, and then they drop their leaves, and their leaves are full of nitrogen too. So we just have like a incredibly fertile little bed right here. This is K Momo. K Momo the chicken. What is this? This is this is, this uh, is their, their a little framework I put up so that the beans could climb. Okay. Yeah, squash and beans love to grow together. Check out the, that color. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? You can munch on those guys too. Okay. They're like little. They're kind of um. Starchy. Whoa. They taste like food. What? All right, you're you're a painter. What color is this? Yeah, dude. It's like. Uh, 
Oh man, midnight phalo blue or something. Midnight phalo blue. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm gonna name my first paint. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Midnight. That's like food. Mmm. Yeah, beans are. I eat a lot of beans. I and I don't usually see where they come from. <laughs> yep. It's, grasshopper. It's about. You know, instead of planting like a row of. These tomatoes are getting gnar. Instead of row, planting a row of tomatoes, you plant tomatoes mixed in with the eggplant and the squash and the melons and the cucumbers and the basil. So you don't just have one thing going. You have everything working with each other, growing off of each other, creating shade for each other, creating nutrients. Beautiful. <laughs> That's a good damn, one. Damn. That looks like yeah. <laughs> Damn. Eat it like an apple. Mm. Mm. Nice pie. Hold on, gotta get that sound. Mmm. <laughs> now that is the sound of life. Passing on to life. Oof. Kaza was a dreamer and a doer who draws inspiration from the larger, older world and uses it to bring offerings of life and beauty into this world. In the summer of 2020, not much painting happened, but the hands of this painter were far from idle. While working on this land, the creative spirit of Kazo was participating and seeking a deeper understanding in the prayer of nature. His paintings have the goal of evoking memory in the observer and creating a safe space for them to find a moment of stillness and listening and remembrance. This land has similar intentions, but it is a different type of noun. Not a thing, but a place. A place of learning, learning the communication of water. A place of remembering the ancestor's hand sowing seeds into the earth. A prayer. This message is brought to you by you. Thank you for choosing the people. Donate online at patreon.com slash flagstaff, the people. It really is. It's like I view my role both in my paintings and with working with this land um, as, as the provider of or as just an offering, as, as me offering the opportunity, if wanted, if desired, if it's right, to to be here, to be present, to work if it feels right, to sleep if it feels right, and mm. in paintings to like to like feel the relationships between colors and textures, and to be reminded of a scene of whatever the subject of my painting is, whether it be like a, a ear of corn or a saguaro, like to be reminded of their own relationship with that imagery and with those colors and with those textures and how does you know alizarin crimson and cobalt blue react when they're next to each other and in what dimensions can they like play with each other and how does that make the viewer feel and like 
standing in front of a painting can offer a, a moment of quiet to like observe and for this land I'd like to offer folks the the place to stand the place to sit the place to sleep the place to work with the textures and colors and subjects of this land of this canvas and how do they relate to the mesquite trees or to the woodpecker or to the corn or to the silt in the creek bed or to the boulders washed down from the Colorado mountains like how do they relate to those objects and if they're here long enough I guarantee they will relate to it and they'll create their own story and their own relationship and their own communication and respect and then they'll build their prayers based on that and whatever prayer means and prayer could just be a journal or a lyric and a song or a story or an Instagram photo or a self reflective meditative quiet thankful space like we can acknowledge our appreciation and our our understanding and our gratitude in so many different ways and there's such a range and I think they're all valid as long as they're not damaging obviously and yeah, so like my role is not to show anyone how to dig, but I'll definitely like say, hey, this is how I'm digging, and you're welcome to help me. Um, and like offering people to plant corn and learn the stories of how to plant corn, and you know, like what the hell is a guinea hen making that noise? And like, <laughs> you know, like there's just there's yeah. different ways to like learn, and there's different ways to feel, and when you're in a space long enough you start to like really pull in from all the different places and all the different beings basically all like the trees and the rocks and the creek bed and the cottonwoods and the ash and the elder and the mesquite and the creosote and the cedar like all these like ancient plants that have been doing their thing for way longer than us and we can kind of come in and hang out with them for a little bit and see what their relationships are to each other and then how we relate to them and there's so much to learn. There's like endless information and there's endless experiences too. Like I've seen so many different animals. I've had so many different ideas in my own head. I've had so much time to like think about, you know, myself and my family and the people in my life and the beings in my life. It's it just, if I can make a space open for people to come in and feel like they can do that, that would be so, so beautiful. I really like the idea of your paintings on a wall mm -hmm. in an art, in the mocap art mm -hmm. space or whatever, right? Someone comes to the art show, you know, you have some event and there's this kid looking at this painting and it brings him alive. It sparks something in him, something that he knows, something that he feels, something that, that, his, that his parents know, that his ancestors know. It brings back a remembrance. It creates a space where everything else just fades away and then they're in that environment mm -hmm. and they remember it. Mm -hmm. And then they say, who, what, who made this painting? Yeah. And then they, they go into that painting and find you here and you have made a space in, in real life, in 3D, in, <laughs> like, in actual silt and rocks and air and soil and chickens and shit. Yeah. And and now you're doing the same thing that those paintings were offering in the real world. Uh, 
can you talk about that and the maturity of you as an artist mm -hmm. um, and interacting with the world with your art and how that's changed you and how you are changing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's exactly how you're saying it. It's like arranging, painting is so much about like listening to the colors and listening to how, and just being like, of observing and, and listening and, and kind of understanding and being flexible with what needs to happen and what colors go where and in, in what amounts and in what textures and with, with what which intention and arranging shapes and colors and textures on a canvas to like evoke memory and evoke feeling, at least provide the opportunity for thinking and feeling about those colors and those shapes and those textures and coming to the land and, you know, not painting, but like arranging shapes and colors and like listening to the land and seeing what shape and color goes where and how to arrange the textures of this landscape is like really, I don't know, I feel like I've, I've grown so much more aware of how I'm just like I'm not the author, I'm the I'm the the reader and the the listener, and I'm not actually doing the shaping. I'm just sort of doing the translating of what the of the colors and of the of what the landscape's looking for. And it's not that it's, that it's me per se that's like the almighty translator, but I'm just like I don't know, just sort of like doing what feels needed, doing what feels right, doing what flowed easily. Mm -hmm. And there's no actual authorship in it. And that feels like a, a departure from, you know, being an artist, you know, it's still arranging shape and color and texture, and that's what art is and feeling. Um, but it definitely feels outside of art and more like, like, I don't know, like building I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little, it's distance, like building or participating and living in the larger older world as an active member or something, like I'm actually participating with the larger older world instead of like cruising on top of the larger older world all the time. And I think that's definitely changed, changed my perspective of even painting and like the materials I use for painting, like the pigments and the the oils and the canvases and the wood that the canvas is stretched on. It's like, that's necessary when you're thinking about a garden or a, a farm or a space like this. It's like you have to think about the soil you're building on, the, the wood that you're using and the rocks that you're using and what's harmful and what works well. It's just so much more dynamic and important to like consider every aspect and bringing that back to my painting is going to be really, I think, awesome. I think it's going to be really cool to like think about a painting less as a composition of materials, but more of like a participating in ingredients of the larger older world. So would you say you walk more with the land and <laughs> on the land these days? I'm learning how on the land I was walking. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> and with water comes life 
And with life comes responsibility. And when life gives you lemons, you plant the seeds in the earth and help new life grow. Are we living linear or cyclical? Is there any such thing as secular or are we all sacred? Intertwined in circles and cycles. And if you are connected to me, then we are family tree. And the giver in turn becomes the receiver. And in each other, our energy gathers in new life. In new experiences, our power builds. So strong to remember ancient truths. That life is a seed pressed into the dirt. All starting with the mother, adorned by water, celebrated by the light of the sun. short of just straight up signing the land over, which is really honestly what should happen. And like, I don't know how to do that in a balanced way. But short of that is like, yeah, providing and growing out intentionally the seeds that were meant to grow here. Because mm -hmm. those seeds will last for hundreds of years. And that will provide opportunity and life and knowledge and connection to countless people for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And really protecting that as like the number one resource other than what I think water's first protecting the water and then protecting the seeds because um, like it's so much more powerful than like even even providing eggs and potatoes to you know shelter the folks and flag that's good and like we'll continue to do that but like providing seeds to whole communities yeah. like masses of, I'm not saying like a seed packet here a seed packet there but yeah. I want to build like a full-on seed company basically that donates seeds to folks who deserve them and need them whose seeds they belong to and then generating money to people who want to participate in it mm -hmm. so basically here you have a home for water <laughs> and a library for life yeah. and mm. an opportunity for learning for people to learn different skills, um, to engage in different things that they may never have experienced. Yeah. Um, what What else do you see this land doing for people? Well, engaging experiences for sure, and that, that's something that's like, I work for Grand Canyon Youth, taking students down the the rivers of northern Arizona and southern Utah, mm. um, and like getting a kid out. And like we were kind of talking about that with your motorcycles, like, man, once you get out there yeah. and you're by yourself or you, even with your, within a small group of people and like you have to like get yourself like across that creek or make your own fire or cook your own food, sleep without a tent, mm -hmm. like you start building so much more confidence in yourself and your own ability. And you start like feeling yourself more. There's less distractions, like there's literal less distractions between mm -hmm. you and the earth because you're like, if your hands are in it, your hands are like literally in the earth and that's like you can't get more grounded than that and with grounding comes confidence and strength and assurance in yourself um it's just like a basic result of 
working with the earth is is connecting to the earth and to yourself. And so yeah, if we can, we if I can help people feel what I felt this spring, which was just like a deep connection and deep inspiration and drive and like a like a fluid like surrender to what the landscape is like wanting, then like that's that's like that's my work to do. If I can provide that for folks who need it or folks who want it or folks who want to see if they want it, you know, like just touch down and check it out for a moment. Then I want to like really push that, really focus on that. Do you have any interest in, so you said you worked with uh, Grand Canyon Youth. Mm -hmm. What was it called, the Grand Canyon Youth? Yeah, Grand Canyon Youth, GCY. Okay, Grand Canyon Youth. Um, would that be something that you'd be interested in, uh, like collaborating with um, different uh, children yeah. that don't have access to these type of opportunities? Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in Waldorf curriculum, which is really a, a big into um, planting and shearing sheep and using natural materials to build your crayons and drawing supplies. And I was hugely inspired and, you know, brought up in that. And so already talking with some of the teachers at FJA, Flagstaff Junior Academy up in Flagstaff and like having spring programs where the, the students come down and like help us plant corn in the spring. Um, and working with Prescott College and different, you know, higher education schools around and bringing those students down to like, hey, we're gonna build a natural building cob structure here. It's gonna be a library. This is how we do it. And like working with them and bringing them down. So yeah, definitely opening the space up as early as next spring to groups of students, groups of people who need to learn or want to learn down here to dig in, yeah. participate. And that will just start fueling more and more and more and more. But yeah, like we're already going to have classes coming down planting corn next spring. Like having kids from the area planting corn is like, it's like one of the best things you can do. <laughs> yeah, it's a very sacred act. Yeah. It's a very Cause it, important it, tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes with so much. It comes with the stories of how Hopi people do it and how Apache mm -hmm. people do it and how white people do it and how, where the corn is from. Like when you plant corn in the field, you're learning so much about the corn itself, mass, and who's been planting it, mm -hmm. when it got here, how we're planting it, what other crops we're planting it with, and then how to take care of it, and how to water it, and where the water comes from, and what kind of soil this is. Like, you're getting like a huge lesson from an afternoon just planting corn. It's like there's no other better way to learn where came, corn came from, mm -hmm. and like what foods are indigenous to the Americas, mm -hmm. and what foods aren't indigenous to the Americas. Like, that whole conversation happens while you're like actively planting a field. Mm -hmm. And yeah, getting people down here. Steph Jackson, one of my good friends, the Jimmy lady, she's gonna, she's the teacher of this class, and she's like, I'm gonna come down, and I'm gonna plant corn with those kids, and like, we're gonna go, go for it. And it's like, yeah, please do. Please do. Yeah. So. And that's again, that's like, that's not me. That's me preparing the ground. Mm -hmm. I'll give the directions on how to get here. Tell them where to park. Make sure there's lemonade and ice water. <laughs> but the. The land itself, and that's the same when you're river guiding, the land itself is what does the teaching. Yeah. Like, as long as you're open to it. And even if you're not open to it, like I feel like 
if it, someone was to come down here and be really pissed off and really distracted and really not able to mentally connect, they're still going to leave knowing that this place is here. And it's it soaks up to like the backs of your knees and the bottoms of your feet, the importance of just being here. <laughs> Comes right up. Yep, that's why I had to take the boots off. <laughs> nice. Yep. Ooh, feels so good. This is 101.5 Radio Sunnyside, KSZN, High Desert Community Radio, where we do not speak for others. They speak for themselves. And this is where our voices gather. And this is how the future takes its shape. A true word will always change reality. So lend your ear and speak your peace. And thank you for choosing the people. One love.